Hello and welcome back to the A3 Footy Podcast. My name is Alex Catalano and Alex Miller. We're back for another episode in the studio, not Riley O'Brien studio, the Tom Hickey studio, as we love to name it, of course. Yes, well, before we start, Kat, yes. uh, or after you introduce Doc, I'd, I'd like to get the Riley O'Brien stats up. But no, <laughs> yes. massive massive talking points this week, and I'll tell you what, there's a really good Who's the Man segment coming on. It's a little Ooh. bit of a preview. There's some really nice operators this week. Big ones. Alex Doherty, back in action. Your boys held off the Suns this week. It's a good win. <laughs> it was very good. Going along nicely, five and five now. Yeah. Season's been saved uh, a little bit there. I uh, had, had the last six minutes on uh, on on the radio after after we played uh, after we lost by about 130 odd points on the weekend. Oh. But um, no, no, good to see the dogs hold on. Um, the Suns, well, they they they, oh, they played alright. They played alright, but good to see us uh, win back to back and hopefully three yes. in a row against the Eagles uh, on Saturday. Yes, on Saturday night, build a bit of momentum. Uh, momentum. The other other clash of the A three Cup as well, mm. Miller. Your boys getting it done over yes. my mob pretty convincingly. Yes, no, it was an interesting game actually with mm. the um, how it sort of went. It was a bit of a slow start for both teams, a bit of an arm wrestle, and then sort of just went nowhere a little bit the game. And yeah. Richmond managed to kick away a little bit, and that's what won us the game. But you're pretty disappointed, Cat. You had some choice words to say the least on the weekend, but um, <laughs> choice words every week, I reckon. Yeah, no, but uh. <laughs> Speaking of elite performances, as yes, I said, all right, we referred I to him, to Riley O'Brien, uh, because this man was <sighs> dropped, uh, and Kieran Strawn played like uh, he'd never seen a football before in his life <laughs> against Big Bargy Marshall and Paddy. No man of mine, Miller. <laughs> but this is what he did in a sandfall on the weekend. He just went to town and had an absolute freak show of a game. Thirty-seven touches, forty-two hitouts, kicked a snag, if you can believe it. Eleven marks. 13 clearances, 6 inside 50s, and 3 tackles. All that would have added up for 180 fantasy points, boys. Oh, Imagine yeah. if you do that in the AFL, put the C on him. That's uh, a decent little week right there. Yeah, I know. Well, uh, what, what, what does Strawn have? I think he had I think he had about 12 kicks and about qu- uh, about a third of them hit the target. So he'd be lucky to have a I handful of I, I, th- I think he cost his team more goals than he had kicks. <laughs> I think um, he's proved to Nixie there, Miller, that... There's no way in hell he should ever be dropped again from this team because he is the number one ruck, no matter what <laughs> Matty Nix may think. Yes, well, I think that it's definitely a bit of a wake-up call uh, and they definitely would learn a lot, um, you know, making that selection change. But yes, it's good to see Riley bounce back and uh, had it. All, uh, all, be, all eyes on the selection table uh, Thursday night there. Yeah, he'll be yeah. in this week, so, yeah. Oh, he better be. <laughs> well, we'll touch on uh, the, the, the Crows' opponents in the AFL this week, boys. The Saints got up, uh, mm. probably in an in unconvincing fashion, you would say, Miller. It wasn't their, their prettiest game. No. Um, they, they don't seem to have particularly pretty games against the uh, South Australian teams this year. Pretty ordinary game of football up until three-quarter time, then the game <laughs> just blew open. Yes, um, but... I know you want to talk a bit about their brand of footy and whether they can hold up uh, against the the stronger teams in the competition. They've been okay so far against the the top eight, but mm. you know obviously they beat Freo in that game yeah. early on, but um, probably been hot and cold in places here and there. Well, there's lots of questions, I suppose. Is a lot of expectations is this team can finish top eight. Mm. I'm still. Bit unsure. I think they can and they should, realistically. But as you said, I think it'll be very interesting to see if they are to make finals. How, you know, that 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 stands up in those games. So there's some big games coming up, Doc, that I'd like to highlight. So North this week they should win, but the following week they have Brisbane at the Gabba. That's a big test. Big test. Very big Massive test. Massive test. Um, then they play Essendon and Marvel, and then Sydney 
um, at the SCG and uh, Carlton at Marvel in um, consecutive mm. weeks, and then Frio again. Well, no sort of where they're really at, I think, though, that span of games. Massive but period. I think we look at their record against the top eight, Doc, and it's, it is it is positive. They've beaten Frio, they've beaten the Tigers, um, obviously, back-to-back weeks. They lost to the Ds, and they've beaten Geelong. So, three and one against the top eight so far, which is obviously good on paper. Yeah. I, I Look... You say you're not sure about where they where they stand in the Mucks top eight. I think they're a finals contender, St Kilda. I think so. I think the last quarter against Geelong, especially to me, mm. Doc, shows that you know teams that aren't going to be a threat in September, they roll over and they lose that game. And mm. I, and I think the last quarter against Adelaide as well mm. proved that they were a very good side when they when they get the game on their terms. Obviously, the first three quarters I would describe as completely shit house, but I think that was just <laughs> due to the nature of the of the game. You know, you got Adelaide who are. Who, who, who are, I think are a very competitive side in their own right. They love to scrap, they love to fight and claw, and they love to sort. I don't think they're there in terms of their skill set. Mm. I think there are a lot of a lot of players, you know, in that bottom half. You know, mm. your you, you, your players like oh, Luke Browns, your your Mitch Hinges, your Rory Lairds that just don't know that are just very very scrappy and they just like to just surge the ball forward yeah. as opposed to being more measured like a Jordan Dawson or a Brody Smith. Mm. But one thing they do love to do is they, lo- they love the contested ball. Yeah. They, lo- they love they love causing a scrap, and that for, for the first three quarters it was just that. And how the Saint and how the Saints combated themselves at, at three quarter time. They kicked eight goals two to two three, and a lot of Adelaide supporters after the game, you know, because I reviewed the game in the Mungle punt, they sort of bemoaned the fact that Adelaide had their chances, and I agree. Yeah, I think the first quarter was was predominantly Adelaide, and yeah. very lucky and very unlucky not to lead at quarter time. But the fact that St Kilda, they know how to weather. They they weathered the storm. Mm. They 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 can take a hit before they can before they um before they f- uh, put one back themselves. And mm. th- there is a lot to love about the St Kilda team at the moment. I can't believe I'm saying this because I hate the Saints uh, th- being a dog supporter. Yeah. But but, I, but when you look at this Saints team overall, they're a top eight team for mine. Yeah, and I think mind you, this sorry Miller, this, oh, you go. this yeah. next group of games as well, they're obviously going to have to do without their captain yes, in Jeff Steele. Yeah. Um, which obviously puts a few more question marks. But as Doc said, the midfield group in this game, I thought, really did stand up when they needed to. And we look at the the stats, obviously, Gresham and Crouch, 29 contested possessions between them, mm. both the, the two highest contested possession getters of the game, with Rowan Marshall and Zach Jones just behind them. So I think the midfield group is working and can still stand up to, well, we have to see how it stands up to an elite Midfield That's group right. like the Lions without Jack Steele. Well, I think that'll be a, a big test for Great sure. Great call, Cam. And that's the thing, as Doc mentioned as well before, the contested work is something that the Saints have been great all year at. And without Steele is going to be tough. And as you mentioned there, Kat, going up against a great contested mid as Brisbane are with the and likes Carlton of Carlton as well is going to be hard yeah, too. And even Sydney to the same extent. You know, they've had some great emerging players this year. Warner's taken another step. Mills has risen to another level. Um, so... It will be very, very interesting because, as you mentioned, without Steve, even Frio, you know, in that, you know, the next five mm. weeks is a big test. So, look, I think that they can and they should make the eight. But as Kat, you, you mentioned, this next period of, of games is going to really, what's going to set them apart. So mm. They probably have period. one of the hardest second halves of mm. the season of any team. Them and Carlton have got a really tough run. After yeah. the bye, I think people are going to realise that you'll learn a lot about Carlton there. Yes, they're eight and two now, and they're travelling well, and great win on the weekend. But uh, I, I think that game against Sydney's has has shifted me towards believing in Carlton. Yeah, they're yeah. not they're not my second favourite team, like everyone else wants to suggest. <laughs> <laughs> but they, but I think they've turned the corner of that game. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I just want to say as well, I think you mentioned Steel before, Cat. 
I see two big players as key to St Kilda fortunes in the next month and a bit. One of them is Brad Crouch, who I think had a massive game yep. on yes. on the weekend. I think he had about, what, nine clearances or something? 31 touches. Oh, four, cl- four clearances and he 31 is, touches. He's been awesome this year so far, Crouch. He has been. And the second one is Bradley Hill. Now, yeah. I saw a little bit of uh, – I paid close attention to the first quarter, and he was playing as the loose. And I think he allowed – I think it was Tex Walker to have, have a contested mark. He was playing the spare, didn't impact the contest, and I just immediately thought, why in the, why in the hell is he playing as the spare? <laughs> But the but the more the game went on, the more it makes sense because he was sort of he was allowed to sort of run, spread, create, link up, and and do yeah. everything. And if he gets those twenty five to thirty touches a game, the Saints are damaging. Yeah. yeah, and they need and they need as much damaging influence as they can get. And Bradley Hill, for as much as I've rubbished him the, the <laughs> last two years about him doing nothing, he's picked it up. He's he he's 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 found some form, and he needs to and he needs to just try and maintain that form. And I think Rats has finally found. A, mm. a, a good purpose for him. Well, the th- I th- yeah, I think it's a two-way street with with Hill, where when he's playing well, the team's playing Same's well, part. and conversely, if, true barometer. If, if they're not, he isn't. And I think part of it is also him influencing mm. the team around him as well. And I, I well. think as well with that cat that there's no question that when Bradley Hill was signed, he's a great player. Yeah, he, you know, he, amazing pedigree. What he did at Hawthorne, great player at Fremantle, and that's why the money he was signed on, the expectations when he arrived for St Kilda were so high. Yeah, so. You know, he owes now the club, you know, picking up and and repaying them. So, look, I think that they're in a really, really good spot where, you know, as you mentioned, Doc, they're now getting the best out of Brad Hill and what's to come. But just a, I think it's really funny when you think back to round one um, and all the media, bar us, uh, were literally saying St Kilda are done. They need to blow this team up and, and shit in their decks. And now they could possibly, <laughs> there should be a top eight or potentially top four team with the way they're on. But... Guys that still go underrated. Battles had a great year. Wilkie as well. Zach Jones is an important period, uh, and player to be coming back now. Cat given mm. steals out, and um, I just think as well that guys, you know, uh, Ben Patton didn't play a lot last year, Doc. But you realise how important he is from a lockdown perspective. Does his job every week. And Jack Billings, um, only second game back, but still is having a positive influence. And everything's gelling really well. I think just on Wilkie Cat, I think yes. the, I think his year has been. Like we talk about under, uh, we were saying off here about mm. underappreciated players. Callum Wilkie is the most, one of the most un- underappreciated players in the competition. Very, very consistent player. Had, he still hasn't missed a game since he debuted either. Had no. Tex Walker on a leash on uh, on, <laughs> on Saturday night. O- only only let him kick one goal, and that was in the last quarter. It was it was through it was through a ball that no no defender can can defend. Yeah. Um, he, but the fact that. There are a lot of underrated facets about his game. I think his closing speed, nobody talks about it. Mm. But he but he allows his direct opponent like maybe what a couple of meters and then and then just when you think he's got just when you think the opponent's got the ball, bang, there he goes. Very, very Dylan Grimes esque yeah, Underrated bit, speed. Like, it's a bit Dylan Grimes esque, I reckon, yeah. And, and Brandon Maynard as well to some extent. But I think yeah, in a back line that has Dougal Howard and Josh Battle in it, he's very easy to overlook Wilkie because he does fly under the radar and just kind of do his thing week to week. So. But I guarantee, as you mentioned, Kat, he's played every game. But if he misses a block, you you'd see you'll ma- notice it. hundred percent. You'll notice, you'd notice it. it. Yeah. But anyway, we move on to the next team, Cat. Yes, yeah, take a look at Geelong. Um yes. they've had a bit of an interesting few weeks, Doc, where they've played a few players, a few younger boys have sort of started to make their, their mark on the team. No. 
we started, it couldn't be Chris Scott at Geelong, could it? But uh, we t- we talked we were talking a bit about Cooper Stevens before we started the episode, and yeah, the old folks the old folks home's turned into a crate. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's only natural. All the old boys are bringing the children up, but um, we we talked a bit about yeah, Cooper Stevens before the episode. <laughs> but uh, Sam DeConing, another guy who I think has been oh. seriously underrated so far throughout the year, and Geelong fans are, are crying crying out every week that he still hasn't gotten a Rising Star nomination. He's been an absolute pillar. I'm still hearing Alex Wheeler crying out that Josh Gibkiss hasn't been nominated yet. <laughs> I'll get him in there too. Yeah, absolutely. Those two boys, key defender, uh, absolute revelation. He's, been, this year so he's far. been fantastic, Sam DeConey, hasn't he? And and I remember a couple of years ago when we were talking about the draft cat, you and I especially, we were big, mm. big on DeConey. And and here's why. Like he, he only he, like he needed a couple of years to sort of build into his frame a little bit. Mm. But you can see now that he's got the confidence and he's got the body to to fly in and, and take the hits and, and whatever and, and spoil and spoil where need be. And like the thing about Geelong is look, they're not top four at the moment, but they're just sort of they they're trying to find that perfect balance of mm, yeah. of, of of the aging veterans and also the um the, the younger players as well. I mean Max Holmes has played seven games so far this year. Zach Guthrie's been doing really all good. right. Really uh, good. I can't believe we're saying this about yeah. him, but he's been <laughs> very, very good in his six games. Um as well, guys like guys like Cooper Stevens has, has has been playing well. Francis Evans, Mitch Nevin, I'm glad he's getting a couple of games yeah. as well. You gotta remember as well about Stevens boys. He, he was highly regarded in that 2019 draft and just had some mm. pretty serious injury setbacks. Yeah, last cat. year so, he really couldn't get his body right at all. Yeah, but he, he's no question he's talented. So I think that he's a really good player. But just quickly on Deconing, I, I think. It's hard to say one of the most improved players because he hasn't played a lot of footy, but... He only played one game before this year. <laughs> key, key position, Cat, is hard to play mm. at, at his age, and he's still not the biggest body, but one thing that I think is really hard to do in a very good team is he looks literally better each week. Yes. I think he learns something, um, he does good things, but then he sees what he needs to improve on. Mm. But I, you don't see... And it's really hard as a young kid defender not to get bags kicked on you because he does a good job. It's obviously um, good to be surrounded by a strong back line too, but I think the point that a lot of people have overlooked as well, Miller, is that mm. Blitzarves has been forced to play a lot of ruck time so far this year. And DeConing being in the back line, he hasn't made them look exposed at all without him. No, he hasn't had the support down there that he would with Blitzarves. And yes, um, Stanley ha- has been a bit hit and miss this year with injury and form. And Jonathan Segler, I'm not sure why they recruited him at all because uh, he's just costing the hospital bills a bit there, Doc. But <laughs> I, th- I think, yeah, I-, I really like the blend they've got at the moment. I think Tyson Stengel is, I'd still classify him as a young player, but what he's done to their small four dynamics mm. has really changed them, Cat. I think that um, all three of us had agreed that Tyson Stengel is one talented player. There's no question about that. And obviously the off-field issues had, had got to him a bit, but he Brad, seems... Brad Close too in the yeah. forward line, Miller as well. Career best year, I'd say. And Tom Atkins, Cat, I'm not sure if you saw the game on the weekend, but was sent up to the stoppage from the first mm. um, bounce, and I think it worked. Yeah. And it's going to have to work now with Danger missing a bit of time. So who do you think will be the replacement for Dangerfield, Cat, and how they structure around that? Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one. I think they've got... <laughs> I really would want to say if he was still there, Charlie Constable would be right in yeah. there, Doc. Yeah, yeah. Oh. He's now instead he's just weathering away in the Suns VFL instead of the Cats VFL. Wouldn't they love to have him right now? Yeah, wouldn't they? Um, unfortunately, unfortunately for Mr. Constable, uh, some some blokes there called Raoul and Anderson and uh, Tuke Miller, they're, they're occupying all the space in the middle. Um, That's the only reason Constable played last year. Actually, is when Danger got injured against North and then he played a block of games. Mm. Just quickly on Stengel, he's only he's third for goals behind Cameron and Hawkins, so his influence in that forward half has been tremendous this year. Yeah. Very 20, understated, I'd say. Doc. 20, 
20 goals, 14 as well. So, But uh, Ollie Dempsey, um, probably one of the ones I think you were saying before, Miller, that you would want to see come in for, for danger for the next few well, weeks. Well, yeah, and what was interesting well, as well, Doc. You'd, you'd want to see uh, guys like Dempsey and guys like Nevitt and guys like yeah. Cooper Stevens play that role because they, 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 they're only going to be in there, you know, long term. Just to sort of ease, just sort of ease him into the program a little bit. What was really interesting was seeing Jeremy Cameron come into the midfield in the last quarter. He had twenty four touches uh, for the game <laughs> and three goals, but he works up. There's one thing that Cameron's always done since being good at the Giants stock is he's work up the ground. He's a great field kick. He moves well, and he what they do really well is they they pull Cameron up to uh, isolate Tom Hawkins. But I saw Cameron in the midfield, and I reckon. For a spurt, five minutes every quarter would not be a bad shout. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Uh, look, I'm I'm not too sure about the the forwards going up in the midfield, <laughs> but look, you have I, to be dynamic. Yeah, I know you've got to be dynamic, but geez, I I wouldn't mind just seeing, just seeing. Yeah, well, I think it's a good point because you allow Tom Hawkins one out and one out, he's very strong. Well, if you if you do that, uh, I'm thinking, boys, you put Hawkins one out, Cameron comes up the ground, then you've got the smalls like Dempsey. Um, like Parfit, like um, Stengel, mm. uh, close all those guys that you mentioned, Cat. That they can play bigger roles. Brad Kraus played a little close. bit of the uh, the Tigers twenty seventeen kind of forwards. Yeah, I, I think um, it, it couldn't hurt with at the all. one tall surrounded by the mosquito. Fight. But I think as well, one thing that has been understated from the Geelong team. You talked about the veterans. Mm. Cam Guthrie had a very quiet start to the year. Massive game on the weekend, but the last couple of weeks, him, Duncan Smith, um, and Selwood. Their influence cannot be understated. Cat. Isaac Smith had a ripping year. He's been fantastic. Under the radar. Incredible, incredible year. 38 yeah. touches from Cam Guthrie on the weekend was really good. 10 clearances, 400 metres gained. So I think what, what this game showed is that the Cats are sort of finally starting to find the balance, Doc, between the veteran heads and the younger players. I think they've done a decent job over the past few years of bringing in one or two young guys every year who play consistently, mm. but... Unlike teams like, say, the Swans or the Lions, who seem to blood these guys consistently yeah. across the season, Geelong have never really done that. They've been a, they come in in the early rounds, they stay the whole yeah. year, and then become a part of the best 22, but they don't seem to rotate them around a lot. Is, yeah. it, is well, this the best blend, then, would you say? I think it's close to for the past 10 years. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd say, I'd I say it is. The, and the thing about it is they don't have to lean on, on, the, on these kids the way, maybe, like say, Brisbane would yep. or the way Sydney would. They they can still rely on Guthrie to give you thirty five plus every week. Yeah. They can still give you, you know, Joel Selwood can come in and, and have and have a good stint here mm. and there and inside the guts and and have Isaac Smith uh, roam the wings as well as he pleases and allow and allow these kids like like Holmes and and like De Koning and 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 the like to just play their own right and just sort of ease themselves in get get a, get a good feel for for what it's going to be like in the next ten years because they are going to be the ones yeah that that keep this Geelong that keep this Geelong train going. And even yeah. the the guys to I'd still say are young players, but only played fifty sixty games. Cat Parfit and O'Connor are the two that I'd like to highlight. I think Parfit had a very interesting start to the year. Played a bit more forward, half forward, and he couldn't get the midfield time that he should have in terms of he'd, he'd play a couple of little minutes here and there. But he's definitely one of their best players, one of the greatest tacklers in the team, if not the best. Eight I, tackles on the weekend. I think he is one of. The, I think he is the best tackler in the competition. Um, um, or sorry, in the team. Yeah. I think there's no. Look, he's probably not going to be a premier player. Brandon Parfit doesn't I, need I, to be. I, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, he doesn't need right. to be. He just needs to be. He just needs to have a role, and he just goes in and does it every week. And he, he he's just a, he's just your classic in and under type. If he gives you um, fifteen to twenty each week, and you know five to eight tackles, that's all mm. you want from Parfit. And yeah, I think um, 
they've got the really good blend. And I suppose the question then we pose to before we move on is, is this enough of a perfect blend that they can push for a top four and particularly come finals, get as far as they can, if not all the way to the grand final? I'm not sure about where mm. they. I'm not sure where they stand in terms of grand finals because I think the way you said at the moment, there's Melbourne, Brisbane, and then there's a bit of daylight. Yep. You've yep. got Frio who are starting to look a little bit wobbly. You've got Carlton who I said they. I said I said just before they're starting to turn the corner, but I'm still not 100 percent sold on them. I think when you put the Cats in in a, in a crunch time finals game against a Carlton or a Frio, I think they beat them. Yeah. Um, I, I think they're still a top four team, Geelong. Uh, after the, I know, I know, I had them outside the at the start of the year, but well, that's I, the I, thing, I think that I yeah. think they've tur- I think they've turned themselves around. I think they've injected mm. enough youth in this team that they can still go. They can still go. Uh, probably the furthest is the prelims. I wouldn't be shocked if they get as far as the semis. Well, that's my question there, Cat. Is yes, they can beat as Doc mentioned. They can beat that inexperienced finals team like a St Kilda or a Frio. But mm. can they beat a Brisbane? Or a Melbourne on the yeah. day in the finals. Well, they well they beat Brisbane um, well, yes. at the start of the year. But, but I don't think anyone's beating Melbourne <laughs> in no. a final at the moment. Um, but look, I think I think they are they're they're definitely a top eight team. And looking at their run for the rest of the year, I think they can very well finish in the eight still. Yeah, with the games that they should win. Um, I I do think the competition for the top four is going to be very very hard this year. I don't see the Cats finishing quite that high, but. I could see them winning an elimination final and maybe bowing out in the semi. Interesting run the next month, as you mentioned. They take on Adelaide mm. this week, who a bit of a bogey team for them. Yeah. Take on the Dogs, who are you know getting a bit of form. West Coast, aka the bye, um, and then Richmond. Is is, yeah. is the Dogs game at their their home ground or is it? At, it is at Marvel. It's at Marvel. Yep. Okay. I think I think that's a danger game for the Cats. Massively. I, I what was it? I think the last couple of games we've played them at Marvel. They they mm. we we've won. Yeah. So I, I think there's, that's a little bit of a bogey side for, for them as well. They, they they can beat us at Cadinia Park, but they can't beat us at Marvel. Yeah. Look out, look out cats, says Doc. <laughs> look out cats. <laughs> look out cats. Uh, we'll take a little bit of news off-field as well, boys. There was a bit of uh, news throughout the week, mm. Miller, of a, uh, a former player um, who was uh, arrested, I believe it was, for... Um, I'm not sure what the story was 100%. It's escaping me at the moment. but uh, Drug trafficking. Drug trafficking. Sam Fisher. Sam Fisher, uh, formerly of St Kilda. Yep. Um, so the, the the topic that's been brought up by a lot of people um, in the media is whether too many players are going down the wrong path in life post-footy. And um, it's not just Fisher who's been involved with, with drugs and things like that before. Obviously, there's been some big names. Um, you think of the likes of Bomber Thompson even, who yeah. frozen obviously water. got into the, yeah, the, the frozen water business, as he, he called it. Um, a few players that have yeah sort of spiraled out. Colin Sylvia, probably one of them that comes yeah. to a lot of people's minds as well. Um, so the discussion I think is: Are players being supported enough post footy to integrate into normal life? Mm. It seems like guys who um, retire early or get delisted seem to find their way a bit easier when they're younger and find a a job in another industry or are still involved in footy in some way, but. The guys who seem to go into their 30s and maybe don't have anything outside of footy, maybe back in those early, mid-2000s when players weren't really encouraged to do anything outside of footy, uh, kind of lose their way a little bit. So, I don't know. Do you think we're, we're getting it right at the moment or is there still more that needs to be done? Yeah, it's very interesting. I think that um, obviously Nick Royal made some really good points about um, you know looking after those 
servants of the game, whether they've played 150 games mm. or two games or no games. Um, everyone should be given the same amount of um, support and whatnot. I suppose the tough thing that I would say is where the line gets a little bit um, covered up with sand for me is, boys, is yes, we want to support them as much as we can. But at the same time, unfortunately, if you go down that path, you know, that's their own decision. Mm. Um, and it's, you know, people everyday life have those tough decisions and sometimes um, they don't get the support from, you know, government or family members or friends. So you can put in as much, you know, support as you can. But again, sometimes um, it's just down to personal willpower. And it was a really good discussion on Reddit about it, actually, about um, people saying, well, you know, we can put all that infrastructure in, but, you know, in the end, if an individual says, well, I don't want to use that and I want yeah. to take this unfortunate path, then that's how it goes. But I think in the case of Sam Fisher, I think that there just wasn't that option available there. Mm. And I think if it was, he definitely would have taken it because um, Sam was a good player and a really good person off field. I remember at St. Kilda, he used to do a lot of charity work when he was playing back in the day. So, look, I think um, it's a very tough line, Doc, but I think definitely – from an AFL perspective, you need to put something in. You need um, something, as Kat mentioned, for mm. um, players of all ages, career paths, whatever happens to them, that there's something to support them, whether it's financially um, with substance uh, abuse or um, offences or whatever's going on with that or just with financial hardship. So there's, there needs to be more help from the AFL, I think. Thing that I'm thing that I don't sort of understand is, look, this is the AFL and, they, and mm. they've got untapped resources. There's no doubt about that. If this was a, an ordinary bloke in an ordinary job and he's in, and he's in he, he's in the same sort of same sort of path as Sam Fisher, no one's going no one's going to offer That's up, right. No one's going to offer up an olive branch. So I look, I understand where Nick Rell is coming from and I think I agree to some some degree um, that we need to look after we need to look after players. Obviously Dan Venables a, a, yeah. a prime example. Ben, like, this is an entirely different path understandably, but he's got his own uh, health problems to look after, you know, his concussion. And West Coast have done a great job yeah. helping him. Um, and so, look, I, I I get it, but at the same time, Sam Fisher's the one, you know, he's he's the man in charge of his own destiny. And I think by the sounds of it, it sounds just sounds like he's he's mixed he's been mixed in with the wrong crowd, and and now he's now he's found himself in a hole that he will mm. probably face an extended period of jail time for. Well, probably the thing there, Cat, I would take from it, and mm. you can definitely have your say, is that. What we just unpacked there is it's a bigger issue. It's not yeah. just football. It's oh, it's a massive global issue, and mm. every country has um, issues. And I think what Doc just said there, it's not just with athletes. But w- what do you think should be done from a from yeah perspective of the AFL yeah. and from a club and, and so forth? I think a, a post retirement sort of program probably needs to be implemented. If it's just a year or something of you know helping the player to you know, get themselves set up, whether it be with another job elsewhere or something like that. Obviously, the clubs have departments mm. like that. Um, and I know, especially AFLW level, they have specific careers, people that to talk to yep. while they're playing if they're struggling with work outside of footy and things like that. Um, so it's something similar to that, I think. I think they do, they do a really good job when players are currently playing. I don't know if it's mandatory, but every player is um, encouraged to, to study in some capacity or take up a trade or... A job in some capacity, so I'm. I just want to say, I, I think that I think there has been 
programs in place for mm. for players to study part time or, yeah. or, or study whatever the, whatever it is they want to study post football whilst they're still playing, mm. which so, is great. Yeah, well, it's fantastic. You, you know, you want to see these guys do well after football, and you want to see them you know steer clear and out of trouble. But yeah, the, the reality is there are other players that just think that they can rest on the laurels being a footy player, and that's it. Mm. Uh, and unfortunately for for Sam Fish, I don't know, don't know the whole the whole story, but. Mm. Yeah, it, back to what I was. Uh, just sounds just sounds like he's just sort of mixed in with the wrong crowd, and he, here he is. He finds himself in this position where he's yeah. just sort of where he, where he's facing significant jail time for for trafficking and an extortionate amount mm. of, of of drugs. I think the the AFL does owe it to the players to an extent That's too. Right. You know, they yeah. do a job that really doesn't have. If you retire and you're not someone who has the specific talents to be in coaching or in development or media. in player management yeah. or media, there's really nowhere for you to go in the AFL industry yeah. after that, you know? So That's a great point, yeah. Um, I think they do owe it to them considering they give up a lot of their lives to, to put on the, the show that is the, the AFL. So um, I think there definitely has to be something more done there for players post-retirement. What it is exactly, I don't know, but I th- um, there's something that can be done, I think. Yeah, I think Rewalt really honed in as well. It's... It, he identified it more as a the AFL needs to do more from a drug use and substance abuse or trafficking or whatever. More, more information while they're playing. That's you right. Know, courses on you know if they did even do information on like you know financial stuff that they players aren't blowing their money on things like drugs because you know yeah. a bunch of young guys with a bunch of um, disposable income. Obviously, yeah. a lot of them can end up going that way, whether it be things like that or you know how to get jobs post-career and things like that. You know, just more information and drug safety, that kind of thing as yeah. well. I think... Would go a long as way. As you mentioned, Doc, we have taken steps, but I think more needs to be done. And I think the real issue that always bugs me off about lots of things is that I don't know why it takes something like this to happen for us, to, for everyone, to say, well, we need to do more about mm. it. It shouldn't take somebody being accused and, and sent to prison or whatever happens... For, for someone to take notice and to do something about it. Well, Similarly uh, with, you know, the terrible news this morning from, from Texas about the, the shooting. Why mm-hmm. should something like that happen and, you know, absolutely traumatise and ruin families and all that and people lose their lives for something to be done about it? So I think, yeah, it's a very big issue. Uh, I, I think the problem is we're sort of, not this, this isn't, not us, but the entire the entire AFL mm. the, the the head hunters of the AFL they they just sit back and think oh you know these guys are adults are grown adults they should know better we'll just sit back and and let and let nature take its course yeah. that that's how I think it's been the mm. sort of the sort of lazy ass laid back approach that we've seen countless years and you see you see it on the field as well with all the rule changes and stuff and like stuff like that that's that's, ru- that's ruining the game mm. at the moment it, it's the same sort of approach to 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 the players who have already played the game or have retired and they've and they're going about living their life post footy they just sort of expect it to happen mm. um and unfortunately you know one, there's going to be one or two players that sort of tread down a different path and end up the way that yeah. that uh Sam Fisher has done right now I think you summed it up perfectly cat where you said the AFL owes the players mm. I think to some extent I think that's yeah. a really good point you make there it's going to be interesting when something a bit more in their control with the issue of CTE starts yep. coming up a bit more down along the line, but <laughs> that'll be another bridge to cross when they get to it. Um, we'll take a look through the results of the week before we start getting into our favourite segment. Friday night, Carlton and the Swans, we mentioned it before, 15 points getting over the top of them. It was great showing by the Blues and solidifying themselves 
<laughs> ruined your tip. Solidify themselves in the top four. Cats getting over the power by 35 points. Alex Doherty's Bulldogs over the Suns by 19. <laughs> yeah, ghost nuts. <laughs> no ghost nuts this week. The D's getting over North Melbourne by 47 points. Time to relocate North as everybody's saying, Just boys. Just quickly, Cat, on that. We did uh, say we, we wanted North to do a couple things good. They... Did mm. really well against contested possession against... The first half, they were right in it. Yeah. They were absolutely right Only down it. by 20 against Melbourne, who were the best contested team in the comp. And, and the centre clearances, they only minus four. So, yep. did something positive, North. Got to keep building, though. Yep. Saints over the Crows by 21 points. Not good enough, says the media, though. They they just they, they, they still reckon uh, David Noble's disenchanting the players. Oh, <laughs> God. Um, Alex Miller's Tigers beating my Bombers by 32 points in the third battle of the A3 Cup for the year. Sunday, it was the Giants demolishing the Eagles by 52. Hawthorne in an upset win over the Lions by five. They do love beating them down in Tassie and Collingwood with a huge upset, 36 points over Frio. Pies fans very, very happy this week. Jack Inman very happy as well. Jack Inman very happy too. I was very close to putting Ollie Henry as my man for this week, boys, but we'll get to the man shortly. I managed to choose someone else. Alex Miller, the ladder. Yes. How are we looking after that big round of results? Uh, well, as per usual, it looks ugly down the bottom, and it is for these two teams. North and West Coast both 1-9, tough starts of the year. Cats team in 16th, 2-8. The Bombers need to do <sighs> some work there. Yes. Um, Crows in 15th and the Giants in 14th, 3 and 7, respectively. Um, Hawthorne 13th, Gold Coast 12th, Port um, 11th, all on four wins and six losses. Collingwood and the Bulldogs in 10 and 9, respectively, both sitting 5 as 5. Richmond sitting in the 8, very nice. Massive clash against the team that's 7th, which is Sydney on Friday night. Excited to get the tips later. And Geelong, who are 6, all 6 and 4. St Kilda and Fremantle. Freo dropped off the pace a bit, as Doc mentioned, seven and three. Carlton and Brisbane, eight and two in third and second. And the team still undefeated. Demons, 10 and 0. Percentage of 161.7. Just Bang. quietly, Cat. So, gee whiz. Who's beaten Melbourne this year? Well, I tell you what. It, I'd love to know. A month ago, I said Freo will give him a run, but the way Freo are playing at the moment, they're going to get whooped. Oh, well, if it's, if it's raining, then Melbourne are a shoe in. <laughs> Yes, I think Freo are the worst wet weather footy team I've ever seen in my life. Not far behind the Eagles, sorry. But we've got our favourite segment, as you mentioned, Kevin. Yes. Who's the man? We want you to kick Who's it off this week man? because you're <laughs> debating. You had lots of great names, lots of great insight to players, expanding their minds. Yes. But tell me who you've gone with this week. Well, I just said my man wasn't Ollie Henry. He was my very, very close second place choice. He can be our many sub man of the week. Many, <laughs> many sub man. He's got the green vest on. But <laughs> my man this week is a bull. Dog Alex Doherty be very happy about this oh, one. Yes, yes, that yes. is Ed Richards, yes. boys. I was weighing up. Uh, you know, there were a few really good performances out of this game, but Ed was absolutely outstanding, and I thought he deserved some recognition for a really good month or so. Doctor, he's had absolutely outstanding on the intercept. I thought best eight ga- best game I've seen him play. Absolutely eight intercept marks. The far away best intercept marker in this game. The next best was Charlie Ballard with six, and then it was three after that. So safe to say he was a fair margin ahead of everybody else. It was 11 to- 13 total intercepts he had wow. as well, which is just outstanding. Five score involvements and four inside 50s, so he was getting it done at the other end of the ground too. But as for his basic stats, 20 disposals, 11 marks as well, and 412 metres gained. I thought his contested marking really shone in this game as well. He just gets that leap uh, in front of players that are much bigger and stronger than him, which is such a, a vital and important trait to have for a, a guy who's more of a rebounding defender, Doc, but 
as I said, he's shown off his intercepting skills recently. I was just going to say, I think that's the thing that Ed Richards has picked up on his game this year is his intercept marking mm. Obviously, the first few years he'd been playing as a rebounding half backer. He's been playing half forward. Bevo's been playing him all around the all around the place. But when he was drafted, he was playing. He was playing as a as a as a half back mm. flanker and a, and, a, and, a, and a very good one at that. Yeah. And it's great that he's found that extra little level in his game where he's able to, where he's able to fly in. He's able to take contact and he's able to reel in these really good marks and. It's fantastic. I, I, I think Taylor DeRay is going to be going to be finding it very, very difficult to get back in that team, especially with Luke Cleary playing well. Yes, yes. Cleary's been good too. No, you've got a, certainly a dearth of these smaller defender types uh, at the I'm moment. I'm in love with that boy. It's outstanding. <laughs> Doc, who's your man this oh, week? It's yes. a man who I believe is well and truly in the Coleman medal race at the moment. Yes, well, we're going back to the Saints game uh, on Saturday night. The only reason, the only reason, this, the only reason uh, I, I actually kept tuning into this game is the the work of Max King. Yes, he was bloody brilliant. And and you're right, Cat. He's in he's in the Coleman medal race at the moment. Mind you, I tipped him for the Coleman's, so I'm watching his oh, tally <laughs> with <laughs> with great interest here. <laughs> Well, the six goals from six kicks. Mm, wow. Talk about efficiency. He had seven disposals all up, but also the six marks, four of them contested and six score involvement. So very good. Uh, not not a not a big disposal game, but when you kick six goals in a very tightly contested match, mm. geez, geez, you got to give credit where it's due. This he is flying at the moment, Max King, and it could be an All Australian consideration as well oh. if, he keep, if he keeps going, Cat. Oh, it's going to be hard for key forward spots, I reckon, this mm. year. There's a bunch of them performing the very, very well. An abundance of them. You put Charlie <laughs> Kerno down as a third tall, I reckon, <laughs> and in the pocket. <laughs> Love that. Uh, Miller, who's your man this week? You've gone for a unique sort of pick. I don't think he's been chosen before, this one. Definitely not. Uh, I'm going to the Giants-West Coast game. As Cat mentioned, it was a whooping by the Giants. And uh, McVeigh said, you know what? New week, new team. Threw some magnets around. We saw uh, Brander on the wing. We saw... Uh, Matt DeBoer is the forward. Tanner Bruin get more good, midfield. Good to see Brander getting more of a crack. Yeah, as well. I was actually I'm quite impressed. Himmelberg at fullback. Perryman in the middle. But one guy that flew under the radar is James Peatling, boys. Jim. Jimbo. Jimmy. Jimbo. Played an outstanding game. Three goals, 23 touches, 11 marks, three clearances as well to go along with 14 score involvements, five inside 50s. And just a quick thing there, Kat. 23 touches at 95.7%. Oh, so one touch is his target. Half forward he played this game. I loved it. I think that McVeigh's found his role. I always thought Peatling was good. He's only hasn't even played 10 games yet, but the games I've seen him play, he can find the footy. And he's a lovely kick for goal. So really like that shout. And I like what he's done with the magnets. And I think that Jimmy Peatling, well done to him. He deserved it. Had a fantastic game. And definitely is a well-deserved man of the week this week. Tell you yeah. what, outstanding story, Peatling. You know, the way he's risen through the ranks so quickly. Made his mark on the Giants' VFL team, and now he's yeah, here. Yeah, fantastic. With best on ground performance. Fantastic, Kat. So he's definitely my uh, man of the week this week. Love that selection. We'll go to one of our favourite new segments this yes. year. Doc's Deep Dive. We've got some quality analysis every single week so far. And Doc, this week you're taking a look at one of the Hawks youngsters who I think many are starting to consider one of the favourites, if not the favourite for the Rising Star. You're absolutely right, Cat. Um, John Newcomb. Uh, the Duke. Off, the Duke. Duke uh, uh, well, I'll tell you what, boys. We all fell in love with him the, the moment he he laid all those tackles on the Swans players last <laughs> year. But he's he's finding he's, he's finding um he's finding new bits to his game that he's adding every week, and he's going strength by strength in the process. So. Obviously, we talk about the game against Brisbane. Um, he was a massive influence as well as you know Tom Mitchell, who had the thirty-six and nine nine clearances. 
but it's it's the it's it's the follow up work from John Newcomb that I'm really really impressed with. Um, and we've, I've written down a couple of point, a couple of key points in the game where he ma- made a massive influ- influence and and just a couple of smart decisions as well with with the ball in his hand. So I'll start with I'll start with this one because um, well, we've got a couple in the first quarter that I'll touch on uh, shortly. But we'll start with the second quarter here. We've, so we've got a stoppage in in, in the defensive half and. Newcomb is present in the stoppage, but he's not used. So, the the second he realised that Hawthorne are going to break clear and get the ball, he's he's off running. And I think that, and they switched the ball up, and and Newcomb's already made the um made the space to be an option up up at half back. He eventually receives the play, he, he receives the kick, and and he he, and he comes back and he ha, and he looks in board. Yep. He, he doesn't he doesn't do any of that sort of you know boring conservative football and go down the line he 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 looks in board and ho- and and looks to try and split the play, split the game open and and it happens and it follows up seconds later with the ball at half with the ball in the forward 50 for Hawthorne and and Newcomb's followed that up and he sort of positioned himself at, at in, just around the 50 mark and he and he sort of and he's sort of looking for and he's sort of, and he's putting himself at that option like hey, look, if it comes to me I'm going to get it I'm going to go for goal and eventually, it does get to him. And his direct opponent, I think, it was Hugh McCluggage at this point. Mm. He got he got caught, sort of, you know, getting sucked into the ball, and allows him to sort of peel peel outside, be that outside receiver, and from forty five, just dobs in a bloody good goal. Bang. <laughs> it's fantastic. A couple of points here in the first quarter. We we go to a centre bounce. Um, it's interesting. I I think there's quite a few centre bounce. Um, quite a few centre bounces where it was all one on one football. No, no player was sort of caught out the back, being mm. being 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 the quarterback option. It was a lot of one on ones, and I love that. I'm I'm a big advocate for one on one football. Um, and so Newcomb's in a one on one with uh, I'm pretty sure it was McCluggage again at this point, but he's got the the, the ruck contest happens. He's he just he's at the foot of the ball, and he sort of has the strength to shove off his direct opponent and just get the ball forward. You know, there's not, nothing pretty about how he how he goes about it. Like he's a clearance extractor, but he's but he's also a very good surge footballer. Yeah, he's just looking just looking to gain meterage and any any possible chance he can get. Just want to quickly touch on the um the, the incident with Lockie Neal. So obviously yes. obviously he gets a free kick for a little ticky touch, not his fault. Just the umpires <laughs> just the umpires overreacting again. <laughs> but in this play, he, he's about fifty meters out. He's sort of around the boundary line. He he. He doesn't look for the. He doesn't look to go for goal. I don't think he's got the. He doesn't have the leg for it from from a from a tight angle like that. So he looks to do the team thing. He looks to play the percentages and, and just kick towards that twenty meter twenty meter fifteen meter out hot spot. And look, there's a big pack mark and nothing eventuates out of it. But that's just smart football. You got you got to, you got to look at those every, every chance you get. And with key marking targets in there like Mitch Lewis, who kicked four goals mm. and, and and took and took a couple of nice grabs. Why wouldn't you go there? Yeah, you, you look for him every chance. We go to the second. We go to the second quarter, and there's a and there's a bit and there's a stoppage defensive side of center, and so he he causes a stoppage. He sort of he sort of assesses where he's got to go. He's, he matches up on Cam Rainer, which is a little bit out of camera. So the ruck contest happens, um, and he sort of hovers around. Jager O'Meara fumbles the ball, but he's quick to swoop it on, swoop on the loose ball, and just get it forward. Yep. And and it just and, and it just leads to just leads to getting a little bit more meterage and a little bit more meterage for Hawthorne. Just, just that surge mentality, Miller. Yep. Um, it's what we love. It's what we love. Get the ball forward. <laughs> also in the second quarter, we're, we're back into another centre bounce, and again, one on ones all around the ground. So Newcomb's matched up on Neil at this point, and he and it's a it's an interesting battle because Neil's probably one of the best centre clearance players in the competition. So it's interesting. 
the ball, the ball's bounced. He doesn't engage until the rucks tap the ball, mm. and so and when that happens, the ball the ball taps down towards towards Newcomb's uh, towards Newcomb's area, and he sort of just just gives a quick shove on on Lockie Neal, and then goes goes up and wins the footy, and then just win and then just puts it on the boot, gets a little bit of meterage forward forward of center. That's another center clearance. So you look look at it, look at his stats here. He, he averaged he has nine clearances and six tackles. Mm. He, the, I was, when I was looking it up, his first his first three actions in this game were all tackles, so that that's just him setting the tone for the game. And we all know he's going to be. We all know he's a he's a cracking in and under player. And look, he doesn't need to be clean. He doesn't need to be. Mm. It doesn't need to be. You know the oh, what do you call it? The doesn't need to be what Lockie Neal is. And he's just sort of where he sort of has that extra lay, extra couple of layers mm. in terms of. Finding loose ball, finding the outside outside uh, contested possession. All he needs to do is just go in and win his own footy. And if he doesn't have the footy, he goes he goes out and causes it and goes out and pressures, goes yeah. out and tackles. And it's interesting. Oh, look, he, he's averaging career highs at the moment: five marks a game, twenty two and a half disposals, four point two tackles, and three point six clearances. He, he he's doing it all at the moment, Jack Newman. And and there's no and if you watch enough of his games this year, it's pretty easy to see why he's the favourite at the moment. Is he your favourite for Rising Star? I, he'd have to be. He's mine. I, I'd have to have him right up there at the moment. <laughs> He's definitely up there. That's why. I'm who, who, who would you have above him at the moment, Miller? No one, I would say. Yeah. I. Uh, I mean, I. Th- I still think Dacos and Nick Martin are very close. Like I said, I literally think it will come down to who plays the most games because mm. I think that. Um, yeah, probably Jai's just above. I like him at the moment. Yeah, okay. I like it. Yeah, I like, yeah, I, I like him at I the like, moment too. I, like I think well, you mentioned his um, desire to, to get the ball forward, Doc, and you look at his split between kicks and handballs with the other contested mids in this game, and it's clear that he's the guy that's getting ball on boot the most of anyone in this Hawthorne team uh, in the contest. Tom Mitchell, 11 kicks to 25 handballs, whereas he's going 19 to 8. So the, the thing, I, I like that from a from an inside midfield. Yeah. I, I think there's two contrasting styles there when you mm. compare Mitchell and, and John Newcomb. Obviously, Mitchell's got more of the aerobic capacity, and he's allowed yeah. to sort of he can he can give a little bit of hand, he can give a couple of handballs off to to outside runners, or he can go for the one two and try and clear it himself. The thing with Newcomb is he's he's, he's just a get it and go player. Yeah, like he's 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 just, he's just an in and under in and under sort of worker. Throws onto the boot, gets meterage. You know, he had six hundred sixty-four meters gained. So, what a story he's been, though, really, from a mid-season draft to his debut cat, where he set the tackle, tied the tackle record for a debutant or something like that. Crazy. So, um, yeah, he's come a long way. But it's funny, he came from where everyone thought he's going to be just a a run with player and a tackle machine to really worked on his ball use this off season and, and reaping the rewards and the praise, which is great. The thing that, also, just before you go on, I think the th- one thing that not many people point out is that he generated 12 scores. Yeah, that's right. He, he, he was involved in 12 scores and had had a goal assist himself, and yeah. I wanted to try and get that up, but um, the AFL app's dodgy, so please fix it, <laughs> AFL House. I uh, can only do stuff... <laughs> I only only saw stuff from the um, the the, sec- the second... Uh, sorry, the first, the first half, but... There's just so much love about John Newcomb's game, and he's and as I said at the start, he's finding these little bits and pieces to add to mm. his game. You know, we all knew him last year as a bit of a bit of an inside specialist, loves a tackle, loves a bit of a contested ball, <laughs> but he's finding new he's finding new things to add to his game every week, mm. and and I think he's going strength by strength in the process. I like that. Absolutely. And that's a uh, and great that's, breakdown, Doc. That's the deep dive this week, boys. Love it. Uh, outstanding. We'll crack into Miller's team of the week. Round ten, starting yes. from the back line, mate. A couple of 
Very, very good selections in this. I like he, a few he, of these names. He, he's been, he, he's, he, he was pumping it up this morning when I when I saw, when I saw him for for a coffee. He's like, oh, I've got this, I've got this team of the week, Doc. It's very innovative. I was putting the air in the tires and also pumping up the team. So, uh, <laughs> no, a very good team this week. And I'll explain some of the names. You might be a bit questionable about, but I, I assure you, these two gentlemen here will agree with me. John Noble's the first name. Now, only the eighteen mm. touches, but his effort was outstanding. The highlight play is obviously his smother on Swatowski, and then the follow up tackle. On, um, I yeah. think it was Will Brody following that, but he was amazing. Uh, Weedering, our man Jacob, had a great game on Buddy. Did a really good job defensively and been very rarely beaten in one-on-ones this year. Cal Wilkie, another guy, Mr. Consistent, every week just doing something positive. A guy who had a really good game and has been really good since moving to the halfback flank again, Liam Baker. 30 bomb this week. Really good from him. Fantastic game. Played really well. Darcy Morris, and halfback, has had his fair critics boys, but mm. played on Tabana, kept Tabana goalless. I know Tabana's just come back from injury, but still did a great job to keep him goalless. Good Cats ball. man of the week, Ed Richards, fantastic yes. shout for man of the week and definitely a halfback. Sammy Walsh is on the wing. He had a really good game, 34 touches, really good and positive again. Stephen Cornelio now, this guy's had a very, very good game this week. He had a massive display around the contest, 36 touches, boys. Very nice. Seven clearances, six marks, 419 metres gain, five inside 50s, 10 score involvements, all 36 touches at 91.7%. Oh, what didn't he do? Gee whiz. He brought home dinner as well. He he brought home home the bacon, that's for sure. No goals, (laughs) unfortunately, so let us down there. Brad Hill, who as Doc mentioned before, outstanding 30 touches and uh, one goal, and he was absolutely pumped after the game for um, Indigenous Australia with the flag on his back and the boys carrying What a fantastic photo that was and great image. Um, Ollie Henry, Cats. Second man of the week, if you could pick two. <laughs> My Medi sub man. I'm sorry, but he is probably got to be the best Medi sub we've ever seen. Outstanding. He's kicked four goals. Super sub. I'm, I'm, Super I'm, glad, sub. You, I'm glad you've got him in this team, Miller, because he was outstanding. I tell you what, credit where credit's due. A lot of critics after the Dogs game, boys, but we all, us three know we love Ollie Henry. Great mm. player, and his confidence is back. Four goals, one, 13 touches. He did have a stinker in the Dogs game. Yeah. Um, Let's be honest. Five marks, all in 62% game time, Cat. I, I tell you what, I watched him last year at Miller in the VFL before he debuted. Uh, playing against the Suns at the the Holden Cellars, the AIA Centre as it's known as now, Olympic Park Oval, let's just say. Let's just call it Olympic Park Oval. Yep, (laughs) and he was playing, there was a a, a couple of pie supporters behind me that were going off every time he touched the footy and they were saying he he looked like Wayne Carey and (laughs) I tell you what, they weren't joking, his confidence in that game was just, he was taking bombs from 50, he was leading at the footy like he was about 20 centimetres bigger than he is. And that's the biggest thing that the standout why he was drafted. Cat. Yeah, I think yeah, when he plays like that, like he did in this game, he can be a genuine gun forward. I, I reckon he'd be listed about 185, 186, but I'll tell you what, he, he plays like a 200 centimetre player. Mm, he, he attacks does. the ball well. I reckon he's a bit taller than 180. Yeah, he's probably 190, 190 192, I'd say probably. No, I, I think he's around that 190 plus. You know, but yeah, you pl- he, he plays like he's got an extra 10, 15 on He him. reminds me of Elliot, minus a bit of the explosiveness with the pack marks pre injury Elliot. Mm, I he, think a really great. He's, li- he's listed here at 189. There you there go. You Thanks, go. Peter. <laughs> uh, Had a few centimetres chopped off. At centre-half forward is a man that we all talked about, Charlie Kern. Our six goals and was really, really good in the start of that game. For he's actually leading the Coleman now, Charlie He's leading the Coleman Amazing. because... Uh, Wouldn't it be something if oh. the Blues had back-to-back Coleman winners and they were different players? Oh. You'd be If you're a key defender and you're playing Carlton, you were just absolutely shitting your dad. And it'd be funny if one team made the eight and the other didn't, which uh, which did happen. <laughs> uh, my man... 
the week. Pete Ling at uh, the other forward pocket, as I said, an amazing game. Cade Farrell is the uh, forward pocket, boys. Oh, Ronnie. The reason for Ronnie. this, two goals, 18 touches, seven marks, 585 metres gain, Jeez. eight inside 50s as well, playing at a half forward, five score involvements like at 89% cap. Very underrated game and yep. was a big reason Port were hanging around for at least half the contest. Um, Max King, Doc's man of the week is in there. Big bomb, big six, big king. Fantastic result for him. Marcus Bontempelli really pel- propelled that team, Doc, in the third and fourth quarter when the game should have been over, but it was on the line somehow. And uh, Bont did a really good job and good to see him back fit. He looks good. Cla- classic us. We uh, shot ourselves in the foot and allowed the door open for the Suns to uh, just keep on kicking on. Uh, speaking of underrated players, Darcy Cameron is the f- oh. ruckman. Yes, cats are very that happy about this. Kicked the first goal of the game and was really good in the wet conditions. Twelve touches, seven marks, eight tackles, twenty-two hitouts. Those numbers won't jump off the page, but in the wet, you got to realise how good he was. Seventy-five percent as well. Took the fridge to the cleaners. Yeah, yeah it was really a guy that needs to stand really up in the absence of Brody Grundy, and, he's done, and he has. He already has this week. He's done that, and a great shout there. Um, in the uh, the two midfielders following him. Uh, we've got Ka- uh, Clayton Oliver, 45 touches, fantastic game. And Cam Guthrie, as I mentioned, 38, really good games from those boys. On the bench, Christian Bachaka with 31 tu- uh, 30 touches, sorry, in a great game. Joel Jeffrey, we'll plug a locker, couldn't tell on the weekend. <laughs> made uh, Doc said he made him look like an all-star, and he was that, five well, goals. I never saw Plugger kick a goal over his head. Don't know uh, if you boys did, assisted but... by Tim O'Brien as well, he wouldn't have seen Plugger have service <laughs> like that. But um, I tell you what, really coming of age game, I reckon, for Joel Jeffrey boys. Big things coming for him yeah. for the rest of this season. Jeremy Cameron, three goals and 25 touches as a midfield forward. What's going on there? And the last man who I will say, as you boys know, I'm a bit of a critic of him, but stepped up this week and he needed to because he's been pretty average this year. But Tom Mitchell mm. stepped up when he needed to, 36 touches, one goal, seven tackles, five marks, nine clearances, as well as five score inv- uh, uh, three inside fifties, five uh, intercept pos- uh, five score involvements, three intercept possessions. Really good game from Mitchell. He always loves it down at Tassie, and that is my team of the week this week. The coach is Sam Mitchell because I thought he did a really good job in the second half. That's a great coach choice. Thank you. Love that. <laughs> Just before we move on to the tips, boys, a couple of things I wanted to say. Yes. Darcy Cameron, I was talking about Grundy, reminded me, I don't know if you boys saw it, but there was a video on uh, Grundy's Instagram. I don't know why he yeah. was at the G, but he was. <laughs> uh, he just picked off a little bit of the turf. And he uh, put it in his pocket and he, and he exited the stadium quite quickly. With it. <laughs> I thought that was a good laugh. Wouldn't be surprised if the metal detectors pick it up on the way out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a bit of grass. Get him. Get him, get him boys. Get him, boys. Uh, and you mentioned Brad Hill with the, the flag after the game. I just wanted to say how, once again, Indigenous round, so Doug Nichols round across this week and next week, how the, fabulous it was. Are the jerseys somehow getting better each year? I think they They're are. They're fantastic every year, but... It, <sighs> Geez, what's your favourite one, Miller? Oh, it's a tough show. The Brisbane one at the moment is winning it. It is beautiful. It is very nice. I I like the Giants one. The Melbourne one's a close second, I think. I like the Giants one. It almost looks like a pyjama. Except for the long sleeve. The long sleeve Melbourne one is not great. I like the the long sleeve Melbourne one. It reminds me of like a pyjama top from when you were about five. (laughs) I like St Kilda's as well. I thought were all very nice. But again, it's amazing that how really great job the clubs do get the indigenous players involved and yeah, the indigenous getting the designs front and, and center. It's so and great, cat. Yeah, I thought I really like Port's one, not so much for the design, but for the story. Uh, Lockie Jones exploring his indigenous yeah. heritage and finding out more about his his grandmother's family and that kind of thing. I thought was really really good. And the best thing about indigenous round is that we still got two more rounds of it, don't we? I think next week. Or was uh, it one? More? I think it's just one more week. Yeah. How good is that? I also loved I the, love Tigers, the Tigers mm. dance before the game where the whole team yeah. got involved with all the Indigenous boys in the middle and the boys who weren't playing were all painted and everything. How good. 
It was outstanding. That was very good. That it was, was very good. I, I, whoever came up with that deserves a big round of applause because that yeah. is how you do a celebration of Indigenous culture. Also, as well, it actually it doesn't just stem down to AFL level. We had we had the um the smoking ceremony at Williamstown Oval on, on mm, Sunday. Mm, we, we were calling it for um Wolf Radio. That was fantastic. It was yeah, uh, awesome. You know, we just. You just, well, you just love to see it. What was cool as well was the uh, 50 metre mar- uh, lines. Yes. With the, with the, the painting. I thought it was really cool. Yes, all love decorated that. as well. Yeah. Overall, of course, as it always is, a super well done round. And it'll be, I'm very excited to see another game up in the Territory yeah. as well. How this good week is that? With the Suns. So. We'll get, to our, we'll get to our tips now then, speaking of that. Uh, this week, for probably the first bloody time all year, <laughs> I'm going to leg up on both of you boys. Hey. I tipped seven games right. We get the championship. And now. you both tipped six. So uh, sucked in. Yeah, well, I, I could have got seven, but uh, I, I I opted to neglect my own team. You boys <laughs> and, I, and, and I should have picked Hawthorne because I said this this time last yes. week that yes. I think the Hawthorne, Hawks are a chance, but Brisbane were just... Uh, the only games I got wrong were, yeah, Hawthorne and uh, Collingwood. Yeah, I tipped them. Um, and uh, <laughs> my, my partner got got seven out of seven right up until the Hawthorne game, and then it just sort of went downhill as well. Downhill. Yes, yeah. no, I was um, in a bit of strife because I told someone to change their tip from Collingwood, and they were a Collingwood supporter, and they won. Um, my, my girlfriend, Sam, staunch Collingwood supporter. She tipped against Collingwood for the first time this week all year. She'll pay the price. <laughs> you will pay the price. So she's, she's going with them against Carlton this week. The turtles are very juicy, though, Kat. we got Doc on 51, yourself on 52, and me on 61. Yes. So it's You're tiny still up a leading bit. the way, mate. It's tiny up a little bit. All I need is these one tips right over yeah, you every round for the rest of the year, and little, we'll catch up. And the Catalano train is chugging <laughs> along. Here it comes. Might get interesting you, you, in the bye round. Well, so yes. you, you, said on, you said on there last that you're going to hit West Coast over GWS and you managed to change it. Well, because I thought with the outs and the more outs, I thought, oh, maybe I do go West Coast, but I thank God I didn't because they were hopeless. Yeah. Um, but well, I tell you what, there's, there's, a few, there's a few difficult ones this oh, week. Massive tips this week. A few games that are going to really shape how the ladder looks for the rest of the year, and that, of course, starts on Friday night. These two teams both battling to stay in the eight at the moment. Sydney and Richmond at the SCG. No Tom Lynch, no Kane Lambert. Miller, what do you think? Tyler Sonzi should be in. I like that call. I know from you, you were saying you get wanted to get Biggie in and get Noah Bolter up into the forward line. Or the other way around. I or think, the other way around. I think um, yeah, it'll be very interesting. They need another tool, obviously. Mm. Look, it's going to be tough. It's always a tough game against Sydney, no matter where you play them, at the SCG in particular. But we always play well against them. And the old uh, Shane Edwards and Buddy grudge match since he whacked him <laughs> in the head in 2016. <laughs> no, um, obviously no Josh Kennedy for the yeah. Swans for the near future or I, for I, the, for I the th- far future as well. I think that helps the Swans actually because Kennedy's mm. sort of, I think he's sort of tapering away a little bit. Well, I would say that would help if they had Jimmy Rowbottom to come is straight back in. No. I don't think he is he, back this week. Did he get week. two weeks, did he? Oh, actually, he might be back he in. He might this be week. back. I, I think know. I think he just got a week for it, didn't he? Oh, well, there you go. Well, Jimmy Rowbottom's back in. I think that is good for their midfield group. I I think I'm going to go the Swans. Oh, jeez, I don't know. It's a very hard game. Yeah. Lambert is obviously so crucial to your structure, Miller. We've talked about that yeah. plenty of times uh, on the pod. But I think I'll go Sydney just for that reason alone. I I'm think it's going to be a bit of changing <laughs> yeah, around for your boys. Yeah, that's true. Look, I'm going to tip my mob. Got to support them. We need a margin cap. What are you, what are you going with? I'll go 22. I'm going to Richmond by 16. Doc, this is you're the, you're the split man here. Um, <laughs> Banana? Come on. I'm the banana splitter, mate. <laughs> Chocolate and banana. I don't... Uh, Sydney, Sydney at the SAJ in recent weeks have been pretty... Pretty oh, underwhelming. Yeah. Pretty underwhelming. Mm. 
But I think I'll go them. I think I'll go them this week. I, 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 I think back to their game against Richmond last year at the MCG, mm. and they they had them covered every step of the way. This one, so I think they'll. Uh, I think they'll take a bit of confidence into that. Josh Gibkiss tail up Logan McDonald. Miller. Be nice. Logan had a great game on the yeah, weekend. He did. Yeah, he did. Uh, because buddy, <laughs> sleep at the wheel. Um, <laughs> but this this is an interesting game here, Kat. I know it's mm. not the biggest thing, but nah, Brisbane, Brisbane and the Giants. Nah, the Brisbane. The Gabba is a fortress. I think Brisbane will win, but. Be very interesting with the magnet Ooh. changes again. I'll go Brisbane as no, well. No, I'll, I'll, I'll settle with Brisbane. It'll be uh, 40 plus. <laughs> All right. Uh, Kadunia Park, Geelong and Adelaide. Cat. Oh, yeah, Cats. Did mention that the Crows have done all right yeah, against the Cats if, if, the past if, if, few if it was at Adelaide Oval, mm. I'd consider the Crows. I think I'll go the Cats as well. But it's but it's not. No so. Tex Walker Cat. No Tex. He's out with health and safety protocols. <laughs> so what Callum Walker took and brought him back to Victoria, did he? Cats <laughs> <laughs> been in the pocket so long he got COVID. That'll be interesting. <laughs> you'd say Thilthorpe and Gallant will be the forward pairing, you'd say? Uh, possibly. Yeah. Oh, Fil- Filthy had a good first quarter, and then I just don't know what happened to him. He looks after. a bit and Nixie off. hates him, so he'll probably yeah. bloody drop him. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm going to... Oh God, it'll be stiff to be dropped without text, but <laughs> wouldn't be shocked, as you mentioned, Kat. Uh, yeah, I'll go Geelong, but All it should right. be interesting. Uh, this is a top four clash. Melbourne and Freo. Freo, a really disappointing lead into this game. Two losses in a row in two games they would have expected to win at home. Mm. <sighs> yeah, They've got to respond one. here, don't they? They need to respond. But I don't know oh, how sorry, they go the against sun, The Suns game was, was in Queensland, yeah, sun, wasn't yeah, it? Sun, sun well, games at two games they would have expected to win regardless. Yeah, that's right. And now, now they're going in against the undefeated Ds. I've, I've, lo- I've lost two advantages to get up to get up on Alex Miller. So <laughs> I'm going to say Melbourne. Up, keep up, your, the, up mm, yours, Fremantle. Go Melbourne. Melbourne, keep the streak going. <laughs> You'd say so, but I reckon... Flag, flag mantle. Flag. <laughs> Ever since flag mantle Will happened, Schofield uh, cursed them. Fake they, mantle, they, I think. They've, they've just... They're more like dismantle. <laughs> <laughs> I think... I think the one thing that is interesting, uh, I would say, Kat, about this game is yes. if Rio are to respond, which they should, mm. it's going to be tough because you're going up against the best team in the comp, obviously, that are undefeated, but on their, on their home deck as well. So, sugar, I think I'm going to go Dees. But, yeah. yeah. No, Dees will get up. Dockers need a lift. They do. I think they will. But just yeah. They just won't win. They need, need a lift more than that. <laughs> Very disappointing last couple of weeks. The Dogs and the Eagles. How, how on brand would it be if we lost this game? Well, I'm looking back. Oh, at don't your, you dare, Cap. You've got... No, no, no. You've won your past three in a row against them, Doc. Yeah. Obviously, they Didn't were... Did we belt them last year better. at Optus? Yeah, we belted them yeah. last year at Optus. I remember bonking that. Crazy should, old from the should, pocket. Should have been more than about. Well, we, what did we end up winning? We ended up winning by about fifty odd, but it should have been about like if the dogs eighty kicked, to ninety. Well, you obviously know this dog. If you kick straight this week, you'll obviously flog them. I reckon it be it could be eighty plus if they kick straight. But again, but, but, but will they kick straight? You've, you've got to no. win this. You have to win oh, this. Come on. No, we will win this. Yes. Um, by how much is another question? <laughs> Look, it won't be triple digits. Um, if they if, if it does, then this then there will be a stiffy the size of this studio. <laughs> Uh, if, if that happens, but no, look, we should we should win. Um, I, I, I don't expect us to. I don't expect us to smash them because we haven't been that convincing this year. Yeah, but we but we'll win. West Coast did put in a better shift. I was impressed with their effort after they were four goals down at the start for some reason because they just they I don't know what it is, cat about their slow starts. I think they just Can't forget that they have to start playing from the first bounce instead mm. of the sixth bounce after they've kicked their goal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, dogs here. Doggies, all right. The other game on the Saturday night, up in Darwin. This is a hard game to tip. Suns and Hawks. Well, we talked about it last week, boys, and the Suns obviously lost against Mm. the Dogs this week, but I think they're every chance to go three in a row their next three games here. This is an important patch, as we mentioned last week. Hawks, North, and Crows. 
three games that are winnable, if they want to stay in top eight contention, go seven and six, got to win all three of those games. Can and they I do think, it, I think it starts opinion. here. Yep. I think it starts here. Conditions suit them. We've seen yep. them playing in the, the human conditions up in Metricon. They've been loving it. It's yep. become a bit of a fortress for them so far this year. I think Darwin's very, very similar. I think they'll, they'll do it. That's a great bit of analysis. I'll yeah. go to Suns as well, I think. Uh, Max Lynch out. This week with uh, health and safety oh, protocols. Poor bugger, poor bugger can't get so a, ja- a break. So, so Jared Witts will end up smashing whoever the whoever they're going to have Cozzy in the ruck. I was going to say, Cozzy. He's the only one they've got. <laughs> Emerson Jack is not playing. Uh, no. They have to bring someone in, though, They'll won't be they? wondering why the hell they traded both Pitnett and Segler out. <laughs> I know why the bloody hell they traded Pitnett. I loved him. Yeah. I still do love him. He's in academia. <laughs> Happy graduation with, 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 the, with the little graduation cap and the. Uh, I don't know why I messaged him. Congrats, but uh, did he respond? Not yet. <laughs> still waiting. Still waiting. <laughs> thanks for your thanks for your message, uh, Alex. The Malone. boat hasn't sailed yet, Cap. We're still on. The, uh, but um, no. Good, uh, good news with uh, Rory Thompson. There's not an ACL as well. Yes, I was going to say that does worry me with him not being in this defensive group. Um, but I think I don't know. I, I think Mitch Lewis could probably have a bit of. A I want Corbett in Never down back. I think he's airily Ooh. because the forward blend they've got is working. So I think Corbett needs to be down. Yeah. There. Oh, well, I think. Well, the thing is that they've managed to really combat combat the defense without Thompson for so long. I think they can. They they'll be able to fill it, cover him without any loss. Who would you bring in, Doc? Oh. If Lukosius is fit, I would want him in oh, yeah. the, the back yeah, line. But no, no, he's still no, three no. weeks away. Yeah, Not Burgess. I want to see. I want to see Corbett because I, I would say move Caswell down there, but he's the most dangerous marking. Cameron target. Burgess or Chris Burgess? Cameron, Chris, <laughs> Philip, whoever it is. Sam, Sam. But who are you going, Doc? You're the, you're another tip here. Um, big tip. Jeez, every time every time I go against Hawthorne, they end up winning. So I'm not, I, I think the Suns will get up because uh, I think like you I'm said, changing Kat, my tip now. That I think, like you said, Cat. Um, Conditions in Darwin are usually pretty greasy and pretty. Um, it, it becomes a bit of a scrap. And I think the Suns play those conditions quite well. Mm. So I, I think I'll back them in this week. Uh, the Snooze Fest on Sunday <laughs> afternoon. Saints and North at Perfect. Marvel. Uh, Perfect. How, how many is Max kicking this week? Uh, six. Another Again. six? Another right any, anything less than six, I'll be very disappointed. Cat will want seven, because, or yes. maybe ten. Because, <laughs> big bag. Big Fra- a big Josh Bruce bag. Big Fraser Gehrig uh, tribute bag. <laughs> it's actually a perfect game for Sunday over, because if you're hungover, you can sort of have it on with half your f- eyes open and eating your zinger box. You know what's going to happen. Uh, Sainers. Sainers will do it. Saints. I'll oh, stop it. I think. Oh, what are you doing? <laughs> this is going to be a very tough game. Oh, I guess. Oh. All right. Oh, wow. They're going to come out. They're going to respond after the week from hell. Yeah, week from we haven't mentioned really the week from hell for North Melbourne. Three of their recruiting teams stepping down. One of them's already defected to Hawthorne. And Jason Horn Francis disappeared to South Australia without telling the You're club. You're big on this, Cat, and <laughs> I want you to expand on it a bit. I, I, you, before you go, before you oh, go, yeah. before you go mm. Cat, the clubs come out and they said that you know, they're, they're defending the fact that Horn Francis is happy at North. Uh, he's still got a year to go on his contract. He's pushed oh, yes. to push the t- talks back. What he, do you read into it, Cat? Is it a salary thing? Is it a home thing? Because I spoke to you and I thought the impression was he was drafted, committing to North for at least you know an extended period. Well, yes. I the thing to me that speaks volumes is why he's not told the club he's going. I can't imagine on a day where there's no training, no commitments or anything, there would be an issue with him mm. returning home. But what's so hard about communicating to the club that you want to go? To me, that says that maybe he's not comfortable with the football department or something to do with the coaches. Yeah, that's or good inch. I don't know why you wouldn't just let them know that you want to go. And 
Because North know. Melbourne don't deserve his respect. <laughs> I don't know what it is. <laughs> maybe it's it. maybe it's a maturity thing. Yeah, you just didn't know better. It. Well, that's the thing. It's hard but to tell, isn't it, from our position who yeah. is responsible per se. It's a good question. A lack of faith in the footy departments is sounding like a bit of an issue. There's talk, obviously, mm. about senior players having issues with how... It's about yes. to say John Noble's address <laughs> in the group. John David Noble. has been. Um, yeah, look, it's interesting. I think... I don't know. I thought initially he was holding out for big money, but it sounds mm. like there's some other factors playing into it. Mm. But I do think, as you mentioned, the week from hell, they need to respond and they will. The more this plays out, the more I'm actually convinced that he's going to go at the end of, the, in, end of next Who year. Who too? A big 12 months. A very, very Probably big Port. 12 months. Yeah, it sounds like Port, his uh, stepdad yeah. played there. But I don't know. Adelaide probably have more capital to work with. You never know. Yeah. They might They might even have this, the, the space, the cap space. Mm. Very interesting. Interesting 12 months ahead for Jason Horn, Francis, and North Melbourne. I'm very, very curious. But anyway, the Saints smack North. Uh, next yeah. game. <laughs> I, don't, I don't reckon it's, na- I reckon it's close. Yeah, it's but close Saints still win, probably. Uh, Collingwood and Carlton, the traditional rivals, MCG on a big Sunday. Game. Yeah, this is a massive This game. is a big game. Collingwood, obviously, in decent touch. Five and five. They're going okay. Carlton are well and truly a top four team now. But lose this year. The top four is very, very competitive at the moment. They need to keep winning to stay. Collingwood want to get into the eight, want to prove something under under Fly and uh, become a finals team again. Did you see Fly's reaction when Jeremy Howe took that beautiful hanger, just <laughs> a little wink or the <laughs> little pop out. <laughs> he, he was a bit, bit impressed with himself. You'd like to impress me, Jezza. Uh, and apparently it's not good enough. You've got to jump on top of Stephen May and Jake Lever at your former club. You've got to jump on top of Coxie <laughs> oh, if you want to impress me. Uh, I think I'll back the Blues in here, but I think this will be a very, very hotly contested game. This might be the hottest rivalry between these two teams in a very long time. Yeah, that, that, that rivalry has sort of fizzled out a little bit. I think it? they can spark it again here. I'm going the Pies. So this is a very important game. Oh, he's going to go the Pies. I think that, as as you mentioned, Kat, and we talked about Charlie Kerner, was good and kept them really in it and in dominant mm. position for a half. But I feel like the Collingwood backline is getting its mojo back. I don't think Roughhead's back this week, but... Elliot with a week under his belt now, and Ginnivan uh, getting hyped around the Titanic dock. He's uh, he's up and about, <laughs> and this this team is. Um, so I reckon the pies. Oh, I, can I just say? Can we get more 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 of Jack Ginnivan doing little doing, doing the little arm pump <laughs> in the goal square when he hasn't even kicked the goal yet? And the Freo <laughs> bloody fans flipping him <laughs> off. Did you see the Freo? Did you see the Freo sport? I think was, I think she was about like a couple of rows from the front. Just give it the double. Yeah, the double fingers. The double finger. The double whammy. Uh, <laughs> he loves it. Um, I don't. I don't mind the bit of character. I tell you what, me and Doc we, we, were talking about this before. We need to preserve the, these sort yes. of characters. I think there's been some moments as well uh, in a couple of other players this week as well. Um, I think it was Friday night. Matt Owies did a nice little spoil <laughs> over the boundary line, and then he applauded his own work. He applauded himself Absolutely for his own effort. Loved his own <laughs> work. That's that is that is the more kind of thing we need to see in the league. Yeah, yeah. I think that just yeah. a bit of character, a bit of mongrel. Oh, I'm so sick a bit of people, cheekiness. as me and Doc say. You can't say, oh well, players are too expressive, blah blah blah, can corns type rubbish, and then. Oh, why play robots? Well, hang on. You can't have both. We want the players to be like this. Yeah, this, this is what we love. This is the characters that make the great. It's part. Of, it's a big part of what makes the game great. That's what's ruined it with the stupid descent rule. Um, Good yeah, God. Yeah, so what, what, what's the game here? Carlton Collingwood. Um, <laughs> tough tip. <laughs> I'm going to go... Oh, jeez, it's tough. I was very impressed with Collingwood last weekend um, mm. in the wet. <sighs> I think the Blues just get up in this one. It's going to be a good game. I'm very, very keen for that one. Mike Trunk. Will you be watching this, Cat? 
Will show. anyone be watching it? <sighs> Come on, you, you you need a lift here. Adelaide Oval, Port and the Bombers. Give me give me some of the hold on this week, Cat. What did the Dons need to do to stay in remotely in this contest then? Pick um, a fight with Charlie Dixon. Uh, no, that's the last person you want to pick a fight with because all our defenders are about 50 kilos soaking wet. <laughs> but he'll just blow over like, like, like a little leaf. He'll snap Zachary like he's a toothpick <laughs> over his knee. So you got no good to see, though, boys. Zach Reed ex- uh, extending his contract yes. for two years, oh, and Kyle big. Langford signing for big, four. Big deal, though. That's a good big news. For I, lo- I love it. I love it. I'm hearing big money's tied up in that cat. Yes, I hope so. We told, the, told the Hawks to piss off, which is good because yeah. you and me, we love him, and he deserves. He's come along massively in the past few he years. Has. Oh wait, you're just going to ignore me and love, love, <laughs> loving Kyle Langford too? Are yes, you? this is uh, the actually hates Kyle. This Langford. is the Kyle Langford side of the team. Okay, then. Uh, there's no chance I'm picking my mom. Okay, well, that's fine. But what do you think, Kat, from obviously your bomber perspective that, that needs to be done to get in this contest early? Well, I think against a team like Port Adelaide, you are every chance to actually win uh, contested ball and clearance work because we know, obviously, Port have struggled with that so yep. far this year. So I think um, come out hard in the contest, tell Parrish to stop bloody handballing to no one and actually dispose of the footy correctly. Um, and I think if we can set the standard with that, obviously our forward line's still a bloody mess. Um, so is, probably not. Is Darcy Parish converting? Lockie Neal at Freo with Ross Lyon? Do you think? <laughs> Did you ask me this not, question as well off air too? Yes not, or no? Like he's not reaching his best potential. Is he? Under. Yeah. Like he's get like he's getting his touches, but he's not exactly doing much. Mm. A lot of back half footy. But when you look at Parish, well, but you compare it to last year, and it's complete night and day. Well, that's what nothing I mean. Like that last year. But why is that? Do you think? From your perspective, is it a support, defensive... Support support around him. He doesn't have the defensive... The players who are putting pressure on... Great, Snelling's yeah. not in there. Stringer's not in there. There's where's, no one... Where's Snello at? Oh, Came back for a week. He's, and then he he's probably a couple of weeks away. Yeah. Snello, he's still... Missing him this year. He needs he needs guys around him that are putting defensive pressure yeah. on because at the moment he doesn't have any of that. Caldwell's not like that. Shield's not like that. Merritt oh. is not like that. He's ready to receive on the outside. Hobbs... Oh. If I think if Hobbs moves into the midfield, I think it frees up Parrish more. But we still aren't willing to put him in yet. That'd be stupid. Why would so, they do that? So, he needs defensive midfielders it's around. A really him good shout to get the best I out of him. So. I think that's where he's struggling at the moment. They, they need to stop with these little pissy handballs uh, before they start. For like, it's about five to six handballs to players in un, under yeah. trouble, and then they just sort of hack it forward. It's just that the missing catalyst has changed how the game plan works out of the middle, and it's really, really detrimental. I, to th- us I think she kicked career high goals last year, like for a season. Did he have my, I thought like Who, Parrish? Yeah. Oh, let, let, let me get that up for I, you. I think, That's one of the stats. Yeah, just quickly on a I think that I love Darcy Parrish. Mm. Uh, he is seriously one of my favourite players, and because all three of us literally said at the start of last year, stop putting him in the forward pocket and put him in the guts. Um, and, and we saw did. it. And he nearly won a bloody brown. And he was elite. One yes. of the best players in the comp, and a big reason why SM propelled up the ladder. But I agree. I, I, I raised this question, Doc, and that's why I, th- I think to you, I think that... There's no question he's a great player. We mm. saw, saw that last year. But I think you've summed up really well. The defensive work around him is dropped off because... It's still existent. Caldwell's attacking. Shields attacking. Merritt's attacking. Even the guys on the wing, you'd say. Tom Cutler's not really a defensive runner. Sam, um, is it Durham? Durham. Durham, not a defensive runner. Um, Nick Cox is not a defensive runner. So... Barely anything at the moment. You need somebody like literally a McIntosh, a Menegola, um, mm. a Mitch Duncan, someone that's going to run both ways. Trent Jamont. Yep. Um, Lay the tackles, create space for your midfielders. Yeah, no one's doing that that's at the what's moment. Hurting. On, on, on Dusty Parish there, Miller kicked 10 goals eight last year. The um, the highest uh, yeah. number of goals he's kicked was 12, 12 9 in 2019. Okay. Not far off. There you go. So far off. I, I want to I look, 
I'm happy that they showed a little bit of aggression uh, mm. last week. I don't care if it was to the ball or to the players. Um, I, I just wanted to see some mongrel, some yep. attitude, and, and I got and we got that. Well, this apply week, it to the contest now. Yeah, I was say, this <laughs> this week apply it to the contest. And we're, ju- not winning, and, we're not winning nothing. And and ju- and, ju- and just ru- and just run the ball. Don't waste shit. Just take the game on. Mm. You, you don't have much to lose at this point. So I, I just want to see them attack the contest. You know, if, if the chance to if the chance to lay out somebody is there, take it. <laughs> and put, yeah, put Hobbsy in the guts for shit's sake. <laughs> yeah, put put Hobbsy in the guts. But having said that, pour a win. I was going to say, with all that said, <laughs> pour a win. With all that said, uh, go pair. Go pair. Yeah, pour it all. I hope Essendon have a crack though. Because I, I, that's all I want to see. For yeah, I really want to see the effort. effort. I'm, I'm, I don't really like Essendon, but for your sake, Cat, can they <laughs> show <laughs> some? I don't like Essendon, Cat, but I like you. I don't <laughs> like them much either, to be honest. As I said to you in the chat, I don't like Essendon, but I do like you as a friend. So <laughs> <laughs> do something. Yes, like. Alice Mills' message to me before the Dreamtime game was, Cat, I like you as a friend. You're a good bloke. But I hope but we smash you. I hope we smash you. <laughs> <laughs> and that was that. That was that. Here Ge- we are. Jeez, you're a lovely bloke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, that is going to be all from us this week on the A340 podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, as always. Make sure you follow us on our socials to stay up to date Jesus when new episodes Christ. come out. A340 podcast on Facebook and Instagram, at A340 on Twitter. And it's our email as well if you'd like to get in touch with us, A340 at gmail.com. Big weekend ahead, boys. Always very keen for some of these games. Yes. Ladder deciding, as I said, Sydney, Richmond, Melbourne, Frio, Carlton, Collingwood. A few <sighs> games that could shape how the ladder looks for the rest of the year. Very, very exciting. Jeez. Oh, well, we just need to keep winning the the, uh, the mighty boggers. <laughs> yes, just keep winning the bullbogs. Oh, and Gold Coast and Hawthorne as well. Another yes. very important Thank game you. there. With all that said, I've been Alex Catalano. I've been Alex Miller. And I've been Alex Doherty. Join us next week before we bloody crack ourselves up too much once again and die laughing because it seems like that's all we do at the moment. Thanks for listening. Go us, Nuss. Go us, Nuss. Go Nick Brian. Go Foopy.